right. Cue fake podcast music. Ba-da, ba-da, da-da. Da. All right. Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, and other random mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie. And, and Jen. There, whoop, she knows who she is. Yeah. Damn it, Jen, go. <laughs> All right, so who do you want to talk, do you want to talk about today? Um, I'm going to talk about Linda Thompson murder of 1945, which is a cold case from Detroit. What are you talking about? Okay. I've got a case of a missing child, Tyler Hardy from England, and it is a really weird case. And I just want to say, I think this might be a case that you can tell the difference between men and women because I told my husband the whole story and he's like, that's kind of boring. Then I tell one of my best friends and she replies with, what the fuck? And I was like, see, that was like my reaction. I had that, I had her reaction. So yeah. we'll see. All right. Why don't you start? <laughs> no, you go first. Really? Yeah. You, you want, want me to go first? go first? I'll go first. Actually, I'll go first. Okay. I'll go, go first. first. Okay. <laughs> What it is is I saw this little video, like a clip of the video, and then I looked it up. And the story originally aired on Reporting Missing on BBC One, which is an English uh, news show. And this all happens in England. The show kept the last name secret, just calling him John. So we'll call him John Appleseed so he can have a last name. Okay. Okay, he deserves it. So background is John Appleseed and Tanya Harding had been dating in England. And he breaks up with her by texting, which is, you know, it's not cool. And afterwards, she meets up with him, to t- and she tells him that she's pregnant. And, you know, she has him touch the pregnant belly and everything. And shortly after birth, when the baby's about 10 weeks old, she begins to bring Tyler around on the weekends, and John becomes really attached to his son. And in 2017, John Appleseed calls to report his son missing. They play the, the emergency response tape, so you're able to hear it. So how does he find out his son's missing? Just watch oh, okay. this, yeah. So he states his son's, you know, he said, I'd like to report a missing person. They ask, you know, how old is the missing person? And he, they, you know, he said, he's five, he's my son. What's his name? Tyler. They ask, when is the last time you saw him? And he says, two years ago. Because his ex had been withholding custody. And his solicitor suggested at this stage that he just calls the police to report his son as a missing person. And he's already spent money fighting for custody. And he's been giving this woman what they call child maintenance in England, which we call child support. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't able to, even at this point, now two years in, he can't even find Tanya to contact her. So he hasn't seen his son or baby mama. But he's still feeding money. and No, at this point he can't. He's not doing anything but looking. Just looking. Just looking for him. But while he was, was seeing his son, he was providing her money. So the police contact his ex, Tanya Hardy. And she says she does not have a five-year-old son. And she's never even heard of John or Tyler. And they, like, ask her twice about it. She denies it twice. And then finally she does admit to knowing John, but said that he's making up the existence of Tyler. She's like, he's crazy. This, I don't have a son. We don't have a son together. What the heck? Yeah, she insists she's only given birth once and her daughter is 16. So the cops are starting to think that, you know, maybe John is delusional, right? There's no record of Tyler in the county's social services, so no medical anything. Her neighbors have never seen a small boy going in or out of the house. There's no evidence in Tanya's house of a little boy even living there. No clothes, no shoes, nothing like that. John shows, so the cops are, yeah, thinking something's wrong with John, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, John shows them photos of all three of them together. In one photo, he's laying on his stomach, the boy's sitting on his butt, and Tanya's like in the side corner that you could see all three of them in the same photo. 
And so now the cops are beginning to think, like, maybe the child does exist, but maybe he was murdered or, you know, abandoned because there's literally no evidence of this kid at this point. And then the police are able to track down Tanya's 16-year-old daughter. They show her a picture of Tyler and ask Tanya, you know, is this your brother? To which Tanya says, are you ready? The boy in the picture is a family's friend, child, that her mother, Tanya, babysits for. What the hell? Yes, her mother, Tanya, had been lying the whole time. She's been bringing over a kid to John that she never gave birth to, that she's actually babysitting, and letting John think that that's his child. And taking his money. Yes. Tanya said that she lied about Tyler being John's mom, or about being John's, for revenge for John dumping her via text. Yeah. Isn't that a little bit of a steep (laughs) punishment? That's real steep. Yeah. At the time, she thought she was pregnant when he did break up with her, but when she realized later that she wasn't, she felt like she had to keep going with the lie, which I don't believe her. At this point, she's obviously pathological. Yeah. I mean, just insane. I mean, you took money and... Yes. She also admitted she wanted his support money. Because she could have said, oh, I had a miscarriage. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. She could have done a million other things than to make a man think he's a father when he's not. And she did admit at one point, yeah, she did want the support money. And then she also said that it started as a petty lie and grew out of control. Well, that's what kind of happens when you stack lies on top of each other. Eventually, it does get out of control. I mean, at this point, John was just devastated to find out he is not a father. He's emotionally devastated. Don't forget, he's been searching for a son that he doesn't have. Yeah, I can imagine. Yes. um, John has kept a bottle that he used to feed his son and his first pair of shoes, which I thought, that is so sad. He did write a letter to the real parents with his phone number so they could contact him if they wanted. And the letter mentions um, what a good boy Tyler is, so they, you know, must be wonderful parents. Tanya pled guilty to fraud and perverting the course of justice and was sentenced to two years in prison. She said she's remorseful that she hurt John and she's glad that the whole thing is finally over. And there was, they did say that once when the boy, um, Tyler, whose name is not really Tyler, was a little bit older and visiting John, maybe around the age three, he mentioned his own real name and it wasn't Tyler. And I think that's, my guess is that's when Tanya stopped bringing him around. Yeah, because now the kid's he's it. verbal. This kid's yeah. verbal, and he can be like, that's the lie, and you're not my mom, and that's not my dad. Yeah. And, yeah, is that not so fucked up? That is screwed up. Yeah, I had the, what the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck? And my husband's like, boring. <laughs> <laughs> Did the child's real parents yeah. ever contact him? Well, I watched I mean, I, some they of the gotta video. think that's freaking I didn't, I didn't watch the whole video, but I did watch a, um, a video that was like a truncated version, just a smaller version. The mom, Tyler, his name's not Tyler, but we're going to call him Tyler. Tyler's real mom is reading the letter that John sent to them about how much he had loved this little boy and then when he thought it was his, and she's just sobbing. It's just, it just wrecked her because that's not his kid. Like, yeah. there's nothing you can do to fix that. And now you have to be careful about who watches your kids. Fuck. The things they do. No wonder. Well, they were family friends for like 20 years, too. So it's like you think you know someone. Yeah. For 20 years. Yeah, you're going to let her take the baby out. Especially if you're you're a new parent. Or even if you're an old parent. Just you've got a new baby. You're tired. Someone's like, you want me to take the baby out? Hell yes. I would love to sleep. Or whatever. Clean the house. That is messed. Oh. That turned my head upside down when the police finally like mentioned where, that it was not the kid never existed. This guy's not a father. He was searching for a kid that never existed. That is sad. That is so fucked up. That is. Yeah. 
All right, but tell me about murder, please. Oh, oh wait, is it disappearance? Because disappearance, no. I'm pretty sure, means murder. No, this is an actual murder. Oh, okay. It's a cold case from Detroit. Linda Thompson and her husband, Louis, came to America from Turkey in 1928, and they settled in Detroit. I just want you to know that Greeks and Turks naturally hate each other, so I'll try to be cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, she is actually from Russia. Oh, okay. Then that's fine. Okay. All right. Louis ran a profitable car dealership. Lydia ran a laundromat. Okay. They became wealthy from these two companies. I was going to say, that sounds like good money. Yep. Right? They lived in a fancy home in Orchard Lake. Nice area. In the early 40s, Lydia found out that her husband was having an affair with his secretary, Helen. Is that where the secretary rumors come from? Did that really happen back in the day? I think so. Because isn't that the old old stereotype that your husband's um, having an affair with the secretary? Yep. Lydia kicked Lewis out of the house. The two reconciled a handful of times, but Lewis was always found being unfaithful. With the, the All, secretary? Yeah, always going back like, baby girl, I will never go back to her, but I will see her at 6 p.m. tonight, but I will yeah. never go back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. By 1944, the two were estranged, and Lewis asked Lydia for a divorce. Okay. Lydia had conservative values, refused to give him a divorce. It was truly death do you part for her. Like not no divorce, not having it, unacceptable. Yeah, in my Greek family, I'd, I'd say it's less now, but that was the way divorce was. I remember when my parents got divorced in 89, like my cousins, my Greek cousins were devastated that that divorce happened. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> by 1945, Lydia was having her husband followed by multiple private detectives. She was snooping on him herself, tailing him to places he was going. She has now become crazy. I was like, yeah, she went full 100% stalker. Yeah, she is going to keep this marriage, damn it. Oh. <laughs> story. One way or another. Yeah. So one night, he was at a nightclub in Detroit with a female friend. Now, this was just an actual female friend. Nothing, no sex, nothing no sexual, okay. nothing. Just out having a drink with a female friend. Lydia went up to their table yelling at them and then threw acid on them. What? Like the, what kind of acid? I where don't where know. do you get it, acid to throw? Where's throwable acid at? It where was do we in get a vial. The acid burned their faces and legs. After the incident, Lewis left Michigan and went to Miami where his mistress Helen, his secretary was vacationing. But that didn't so stop even, Lydia. Wait, I was say, even acid burnt, he's like, on vacation to Florida. Yeah, yeah. So he lived, but was it like real scarred up? Yeah, I guess his face was scarred up, his legs, so was the lady. Oh my God. But that didn't stop Lydia. Yeah, wait, Lydia doesn't go to jail for that? No, no, Lydia's still out. Good thing we do not live in the 1940s where know, acid throwing was acceptable. <laughs> yeah, doesn't get you put to jail immediately. Yeah. Yeah. So Lydia followed Lewis to Miami, found Lewis and Helen. She told Helen to leave her husband alone or she would haunt her for the rest of her life and through the afterlife. Ooh, so she's not even playing. Like, I'm going to haunt you till you die and then I'm going to haunt you some more. Yep. Yep. Okay. Lewis returned back from Miami to Michigan. He moved all his belongings out of their house that they shared. During this, Lydia threatened suicide, threatened to disfigure Helen for life. 
And she even purchased a gun. Okay, we know from her previous ass, previous acid throwing attempts that if she says she will scar you for life, she will she's, scar you yes. for life. She's not playing. She's not one of those people that says something that doesn't follow through. Yep. <laughs> oh no. And at this point, I'm thinking, okay, she purchased gun. She's gonna kill her. That's what I'm thinking. Oh. In the story, right? Gun means usually yeah, shot to the head. Yep. You're gonna kill this. Lady. Or right in the damn face. She continued to stalk Lewis and Helen, but then began telling all who would listen that she now felt like her life was in danger, and she thought someone was following her and was trying to kill her. Wait, wait. So now Lydia's saying, I'm actually scared. I think he's coming. He's sending someone after me. She doesn't say him. Okay. She just says someone. Okay. She feels that she is now being followed. And her life is in danger. Okay. I would assume, hey, you're stalking somebody else. It probably opens the door for somebody to stalk you. Yeah, back. Because now he's afraid for his life. Yeah, so maybe he's stalking her. Yeah. You know. Good call. So on October 13th, 1945, Lydia's headless body was found in a marsh in Pontiac, Michigan. Okay, I was thinking she would win the Who Kills Who I know. Because she started early with big guns. Yep. And her body, Headless body yep. And her body was beaten, and she was stabbed with an ice pick. So wait, naked or clothed? Did it say? It did not say. Okay. The police believed the place she was found, the marsh, was not the site of her death. Okay, that's there just were, the dump site. Yeah, there was no sign of robbery or a struggle <coughs> in the area. Okay. Police go to the house. They're investigating the murder. They find a letter at her home that she wrote stating that if no one hears from her it was her husband's doing she also wrote a letter leaving all of her possessions to her father Ooh, so she's trying to get lewis from the afterlife yeah she wasn't joking yep she was not joking two weeks after lydia's death her father leaves detroit stating he was going somewhere more pleasant to live oh we never see him again do we no, you don't. Oh, <gasps> I guessed it. But, yeah. you know, oh. you just never see the guy. Okay. The twist is... Okay. Shortly after he moves, a telegraph comes from Lydia's sister, stating their father had been dead for years. So who is this guy? That she left all her money to? That left, yep, and that <gasps> I have a she new theory. called her father. I have a new theory. They made her call this dude her father, right? Has it been this whole time this guy's been her father? Mm-hmm. Because the husband had something to do with it, I thought, because that's how he gets the money in the end. Or that's her lover. She's like, no, it's not my no, lover. It's my father. No, she is devoted to Lewis. Okay? Oh, that's right. She, Why am I questioning her devotion to Lewis? Yeah. What's wrong with me? <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, I don't know. so there is no... I will say there was nothing in any of the articles regarding this that she was unfaithful okay she was faithful to the end all right so who is this dude do we know never do you find out who this guy was can't find him and he did get all her stuff too didn't he like they didn't half? say that but i'm assuming okay i'm assuming he did okay but they didn't say that but he just i mean i would assume he got the stuff and up and left but definitely not her father Dang. unless this person who sent the telegraph isn't really her sister <gasps> Good call. I mean, it's Russia, so you, you don't know. It's a freaking telegraph. What if it was lost? Yeah, right? What if it was lost in translation, too? Yeah, crazy. Yeah. So, total crazy twist. So, Helen and Lewis were, of course, the main suspects. 
but they had solid alibis and they passed a lie detector test, which I found was interesting because I didn't know back in the 40s they had lie detector tests. Me neither. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. In 1947, a woman came forth stating her boyfriend said Lewis paid him $10,000 to kill Lydia. Dang. The police arrested the man and Lewis, but they were soon released. Okay? Because yet another twist. This one's good. Talk to me. Okay. The boy, the woman's boyfriend tells police that he made the story up because he, the boyfriend, was actually married and only told her that story to scare her off and keep her quiet about the affair they had. Wait, so he's like, no, I never killed her, but I told this crazy bitch that I did because I wanted her to leave me alone. Yeah, and he didn't want her... To tell his wife that he was having an affair. Dang. Everybody's having sex with everybody in Detroit. Actually, it's the men are sleeping around in Detroit. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. In the 1940s. It's crazy. I mean, and who would do that? Yeah. Why would you tell somebody... That you're a murderer. Yeah, that you're a murderer. Because they're, <laughs> they might actually just go to the police like that lady did. Yeah. And tell. Lewis was said to believe Lydia paid to have herself killed in hopes he would be charged with her murder. Which, I kind of, after, you know, you hear the story, she's crazy. Um, Yeah, totally possible. Yeah. Lewis and Helen were married, they had children, and they lived in the Orchard Lake home and were happy. So nobody was ever charged with Lydia's crime or her murder? Nope. Had never found? Had never found that I know of. Never said. Oh my god. Just found her headless body. But I think she stalked him, threatened Helen's life. She could have paid the someone to murder her. Yeah, but wouldn't you ask for just someone to shoot you in the head? Not beat you and cut your head off? Well, maybe she asked for that and this is what the crazy person did. I mean Sure, I'm not thinking like a crazy person. Yeah. I'm thinking, like, if I wanted to be murdered, which I don't ever want to be murdered, but if I wanted to be murdered and I wanted someone to pay for it, I would... Maybe they killed her at first, beat her, and killed her with the ice pick, but then the dude she paid was crazy and was like, let me cut her head off. Ooh, true. Or what if someone... You don't know what happens what after if she the has another, paid. What about if she has another enemy we don't even know about and the guy takes the head back to the person to show that he really did kill her? Could be. Or it was the what if, what if supposedly was, father was, person. Yeah, what if it was the dad that had her killed so he would get the money? First they beat her up. Then they make her write the letters saying that it was the husband and that she gives everything to the dad. Then they cut her head off and then... Bam. And he then leaves he, he leaves, that's it. It's crazy. I couldn't believe it. That story had so many darn twists. I was like, thinking, really, okay, headless body found, husband did it, and then it was all this crazy stuff. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. This was the podcast of twists. Yeah. Yeah, that's what this week was. You've been listening to Michigan and Other Mayhem with Allie. And Jen. Contact us at michiganandothermayhem.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, find site links, correct us when necessary, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Say bye-bye now. Oh, I did forget to say bye-bye now.